global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on a Thursday. Stocks are fluctuating. Investors looking past increased stimulus by the Bank of England to tomorrow morning's jobs report for clues on the strength of the economy and the Fed's next move. Right now, the S&P 500 index up a point at 2164, a gain of less than 0.1%. Dow Industrials down two points to 18,353. NASDAQ is up nine to 5168, a gain of two-tenths of 1%. Tenure up 10.30 seconds at yield 1.50%. Gold up 260 the ounce to 1362, a gain of two tenths of 1%. And crude oil now up 2.3%. West Texas Intermediate up 95 cents, 41.78 a barrel on WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Rising equity values, declines in commodity prices, declines in bond yields. What is an investor to do? Well, the first thing they should probably do is call Jack Rifkin. He is the chief investment officer for Altegris Advisors, helping to manage more than $2.35 billion. They're based in La Jolla, California. But Jack joins us in the studio today. Jack, thanks for being here. Uh, always glad to be here. All right. So now we don't even have to call you on the phone to, to find out what, what people... <laughs> People should be doing with their money. You can tell us. Uh, presented with uncertainty, which is always present, and gloom and doom will always be with us. Tell us about your sort of conversations that you're having with uh, your investor base, and what what are they asking, and what are you telling them? Well, they're they're asking what to do to move away from classic stocks and bonds. Uh, a lot of investors are looking at the mix in their portfolio. They're seriously looking at how much liquidity they really need in their portfolio because they don't see the liquid sides of the market likely to provide them with much, likely to provide their clients with much over the next several years. So they're trying to figure out how much they really need to put in the liquid side of the market versus some of the strategies that are coming to market that allow people to take advantage of what institutions have taken advantage of for the last 25 or 30 years. I want to channel a little Pim Fox here because he's been asking everybody about, uh, at, a, at a time like this, when you have commodity prices down, when you have falling bond yields, when you have what a lot of people still think looks like disinflation, why not favor the things that seem to a lot of people favor right now, a hard asset, something that holds value and money loses its value, like real estate, like gold. Well, I'm I'm not so sure about gold, Um, but other real assets, I think, are something that a lot of investors are looking at. Moving away from, again, that gets you into an illiquid side of the market, but moving away from what you're going to see out of stocks and bonds over the next several years here. We all know that when the Fed does what it did, which is ease, it basically is pulling growth forward. We know that growth is really a product of demographics and technology. And all the Fed does in these instances is dampen the fluctuations. And they've dampened what could have been a very big fluctuation. But there's going to be a payback for that over the next several years. And I think investors are actually beginning to realize that and looking for what can 
make up for that. And I think real assets are an area. Um, I, I just I don't know that much about gold and never have. Not since what's his name, Franz, whatever, way back in the 60s. And um, but in terms of real assets that actually have some earning power around them, I think that's becoming a much bigger part, as well as any uncorrelated investment opportunities that get you back into managed futures. Uh, something that is just not correlated to the market and can take advantage when you have falling commodity prices or falling interest rates or rising interest rates or rising stock markets. How do you describe managed futures to investors that have never utilized them, and what are some of the risks? Well, the, the risks are that it is, it is a hard area to understand. It's easy to understand stocks and bonds. Managed futures are just that. They're futures. You're actually making a bet on an asset class that is going to move one direction or another. Now, this is not an area that I grew up on. I grew up as a fun, fundamental analyst. But what has happened over the last 30-plus years is the technology has allowed people to actually do a better job than fundamental analysts on trying to figure out what's going on with the markets. And and the guys doing managed futures, the ones doing it well, are looking across a lot of asset classes. So you're not just dealing with stocks and bonds. You're, you may be dealing with stocks and bonds in a variety of markets, but you're also looking at commodities. You're also looking at interest rate futures. And you're using technology to help you get a lead on what's going on in the marketplace. This is something I never thought I would say in my career. But, in fact, I think that the folks that are making use of technology may be doing a better a better effort than the fundamental analysts these days. So – but can I take it right way down to earth again? Where do you think we are, Jack? Are we at the top of a, a, a bull market in stocks that uh, is just going to be on indefinite pause now? No reason to sell off. No reason to go ahead. Um, you know, bond yields have fallen a lot. I guess they get more negative. And in fact, some people think that uh, keep arguing that with more bond purchases around the world, you're not going to have, you know, you'll be lucky to have a, 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 any yield. And in fact, Nomura two days ago, Nomura in Tokyo, said the third-year bond's going to zero over the next two years because Japanese people, for example, they'll see low yields and, and they'll just increasingly buy U.S. Treasuries because at least there's a little yield left there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think that's going to be true. Money is going to run to where there is yield. The yield is actually in the emerging markets, and emerging markets are where the growth is. I, I look at what India just did. It's going to take a lot of work in India, but I think over the next 10 years, India is going to be the fastest-growing economy in the world, significantly faster than China. Would that China. be an old-fashioned place just to buy some stocks? Uh, it could be. Um, I don't know that you can sort of buy individual stocks. I think you're going to have to go with someone who actually understands the markets over there. But I think we're setting ourselves up for – having one of the major markets in the world uh, being on a growth path. Jack, uh, the um, the U.S. dollar, you know, is what most people in the United States use. What about holding cash and the value of the U.S. dollar increasing against all these emerging market economy 
currencies and you get a double whammy because you maybe make a little bit more in dollar terms if you hold it here, but also with uh, holding uh, the U.S. dollar, you can take advantage of any big downturns in a market that you might understand, like stocks or bonds. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and I think that's the easy path to take and probably a safe path to take for a lot of investors. You, you need someone really professional who understands what goes on in these individual emerging markets. And if you're just not prepared to either have an advisor tell you what to do there or do the work on your own, which I would not necessarily recommend, I think you're better off. And probably with the future that we see before us is is uh, the dollar is actually going to do reasonably well here. That doesn't necessarily mean it's good for the U.S., but uh, it's good for dollar holders as well. Recognize, though, that the Americas in general have been the markets to be in over the first six months of this year. You could have been in any American market. I also always dislike it when anybody talks about America as if it's the United States. America runs from Cape Columbia to Tierra del Fuego. And boy, anytime you're down there and you say, well, in America, we do this, they say you're in America. (laughs) And um, those have been great markets and I think will continue to be as well and as close to home. Jack, uh, we were in Boston yesterday doing our show at Smith & Molesky Restaurant and a a longtime contact friend of PIMS was there, John Spooner, who's a broker, clients all over the world, has written many books. And John was taking this longer-term view of, you know, eventually we'll have inflation. Eventually, you know, in, in one of the areas he likes are some of the big blue-chip banks. Well, that's, you know, sort of stepping in, I think, a little early here. I think in the long run, those could work out. But um, I think rates are going to stay low for a long time here. We could see inflation at some point here. It could be triggered by what happens in our employment situation, certainly in the U.S. I'm not so sure about the rest of the world. But um, I think it's a little early to step into that. But I do agree with him. Uh, you, you were asking me, where are we in the cycle? I'd say we're more at the end of the beginning than at the beginning of the end here. That uh, we're setting things up to be actually pretty interesting here. You've got a lot of variation going on across the world. The EU is going to have to make some accommodation to Great Britain. They simply cannot say we're going to punish these guys. This is their opportunity to really actually take a look at themselves, look in the mirror, and let's get this right. Okay. Well, there's a lot of people around the world hoping they will and cheering them on. We'll see what happens next, and we know that you'll be back to help us always figure it out. Jack Rivkin is CEO and Chief Investment Strategist for Altegris Advisors. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.